hello and welcome in to a new Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, and we got some nuggets to discuss today. First off, shouts to Untuck It, Terrapin Care Station, and the Regulators Production Group for supporting this show, for being a big part of being able to let this podcast continue, and being the benefactors that allow this show to be what it is today. So without them, we would not be here. Um, Untuck It is specifically, they are great at what they do, and something that I use myself on a regular basis. So we'll have more about Untuck It coming up a little bit later, but... This podcast is going to be primarily about the Nuggets' 118-110 to win over the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, this game was, um, was very ugly in the first half um, after a great start, got exciting in the second half, and then Nikola Jokic turned in just a hell of a game. But overall, it was a bizarre one. Uh, first, off, first and foremost, Paul Millsap was out. I'll talk more about all these topics in the next segment, but... Paul Millsap was out. Mason Plumlee started for him. The Nuggets started out really fast as they like to do and then blew another big lead. Jokic had another triple-double. Michael Porter Jr. probably played his best game. Will Barton was playing with a heavy heart despite the very, very strong production that he uh, contributed. Jamal Murray struggles despite the fact that he's still putting up pretty good numbers and the fact that Gary Harris continues to get better and better and better, but it does seem like he may be dealing with some injuries injuries despite the fact that he is not on the injury report. Of course, we will then finish out the show by having a mailbag portion of the podcast. I might only pick three questions just because it's getting late and I have a lot of work to do, so I'm not going to be able to extend this podcast an incredible amount of time, but then we will look at the final game of this quick two-game homestand that the Nuggets are on or finishing up before looking at the last five games. Um, well, they, they go on a five-game road trip after this back-to-back where they play Sacramento tomorrow, which is probably when you'll be listening to this podcast. So we're going to get into a bunch of different stuff. I definitely want to dive into it. But first and foremost, quick shout to the Regulators Production Group. Without them, there wouldn't be no beats for the intro and outro of the show. Seriously, for any audio production needs that you have, go check out the Regulators Regime on Instagram. They do such good work. So please, please, please reach out to them. They have done nothing but amazing things for the Rocky Mountain News Podcast, and I cannot thank them enough. All right, we're going to take that first quick break, come back and break down this game, and talk about a whole lot of stuff that has to do with this Denver Nuggets team. button-down shirt untucked it almost always looks like a disaster but why it's because those shirts have not been meant to be worn that way thankfully there's untuck it the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked no matter your size or shape untuck it shirts always fit to the perfect untucked length the thing is is that like i'm short and stubby so it's hard to find the right kind of shirts that fit they're either really really long or really really short it's just difficult to find that right style especially if you're trying to be casual like me with more than 50 plus fit combinations untuck it shirts look great on tall short slim and athletic guys of all ages you can find your favorite untuck it style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores you can choose from styles like wrinkle free button downs super soft flannels outerwear and more with untuck it your shirts will never look baggy bulgy too long or too big again and their website is so easy to use they even have an entire page devoted to help 
helping you find your fit. So whether or not you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or trying to craft a smart and relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Everything that took part in it. So as I said before, Nuggets win 118 to 110. Uh, Nikola Jokic was the Nuggets' leading scorer, 31 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. Funny enough, right after that 10th assist, he fouled out of the game. It was just a hysterical moment. Um, but still, incredible night. Nikola was 12 of 19 from the field, 2 of 5 from the three-point line. Um, hell, he even went 5 of 7 from the free throw line, had two offensive boards in this game, grabbed his deal, only turned the ball over one single time and was a plus 23. Uh, the Nuggets had seven players score in double digits. They ended up playing 10 guys, but Malik only played two minutes. And Wancho Hernan Gomez, while he did play 11 minutes, just really wasn't that productive in those minutes. Um, the bench was pretty much made up of Monte Morris, Michael Porter Jr., and Jeremy Grant, with some combination of starters involved in there as well. And overall, they weren't bad. Um, Jeremy Grant was the only bench player who was a negative. He was a minus nine in this game, and Jamal Murray was the only starter who was negative, who was a minus three. When you look over at the Grizzlies, Jaron Jackson, 6-13 from the field, 2-8 of eight from three, 20 points, 4 rebounds, an assist, and a block shot in 30 minutes was a minus 11. Overall, was not terrible, but was not not able to handle Nikola Jokic at all. Jonas Valanciunas with a double-double, 14-10. and 10. John Morant at 16 points and 8 assists. He was awesome. I love John Morant. I could not tell you how much I enjoyed watching him play, but it wasn't as much fun as Brandon Clark was. 15 points on 6 of 8 shooting, 2 rebounds, which is nothing incredible, but 5 assists, 0 turnovers in 22 minutes. What a game from him. So that was really the stat breakdown. The Nuggets ended up scoring 66 points in the paint on 33 of 51 shooting. They also had 15 second chance points of the 10 second chance points of the Grizzlies, but they were only able to hit nine threes, which was the exact same number that the Grizzlies were able to hit. They did only have 11 turnovers, which helped them out overall, but nothing incredible from this game. This was a pretty standard game box score-wise, but... What gets more interesting is when you start getting into the weeds of what happened. Uh, I think we have to start with Paul Millsap being out of this game. What was most interesting, and I got a credit to Valier Johnson, my you know colleague at Mile High Sports, for uh, noting this, but Paul Millsap, when he was on the injury report before the game had started, was on the injury report with a left knee contusion. When the Nuggets Twitter account ended up tweeting out the... Uh, why he was not playing tonight and why he was out, it said left quad injury. I'm not sure what's going on with that. Um, maybe it was a typo because Nuggets have had other injuries. Maybe Paul Millsap is dealing with multiple different injuries. I really don't know. Uh, Michael Malone said that he wa it wasn't serious after the last game, but... Paul Millsap did not warm up before this game and sat out. It could just be rest to play on the second night of a back-to-back -to -back tomorrow when they play the Kings, but it was interesting that Paul Millsap was out. 
um, even more interesting was that Michael Malone chose to start Mason Plumley instead of Jeremy Grant. And while Malone said it was for rebounding, which is absolutely true and I agree with him, I think this has a lot more to do with the fact that Michael Malone was playing against a Grizzlies team that starts Jaron Jackson at power forward and Jonas Valanciunas at center. This is probably one of the only games all year where Michael Malone is going to have a chance to start Mason Plumley while Nikola Jokic is also playing. So it could be a little bit of a couple things. Mason Plumley is absolutely deserving of minutes. He has played his ass off despite the fact that he has had some bad moments, but Still, overall, he was good in this game. Played almost 20 minutes, 6 of 10 from the field, 15 points, 7 rebounds in this game. Did have 4 fouls, 3 in the first half, which kept him from starting the second half. Jeremy Grant started the second half and played most of those power forward minutes during that time. But still... Pretty decent job on Mason Plumlee. It's hard to find a whole lot of issue with his game. He did have some um, head-scratching moments. Like like Michael Porter Jr. had a very clear advantage in the post that Mason Plumlee had an angle to pass it to him. And he just made it so overly difficult and it ended up leading to a turnover. Things like that, you know, his unnecessary behind-the-back dribbles and all those kinds of things. But overall, Mason Plumlee was helpful in this game. And he did a good job of slotting into that starting lineup and being productive. Him and Nikola definitely have some good chemistry and know how to play with one another now so it's another wrinkle that the Nuggets are able to use when they need to because clearly Plumlee and Nicola have a very good amount of chemistry on the floor Um, as has happened all year seemingly over and over and over and over and over again the Nuggets starters began the game pushed out a big lead and then watched the bench unit give it right back which sucked all of the momentum out of the game and when the Nuggets starters returned they were not as good as they were in their first stint because kind of everything around the team had taken a big step backwards the Nuggets keep blowing leads man they were up by 23 at one point in this game and the Grizzlies got within one possession like this is absolutely insane how often this becomes the narrative the Nuggets were up like 23 to 10 in the first quarter and they ended up going into the second quarter oh you know so (laughs) I forgot the Grizzlies scored 11 points in the first quarter which by the way the Nuggets have this is all this stat is all Nuggets PR when they send it out in the postgame report but the Nuggets have held opponents to a to 14 points or less in a quarter six different times this year, which leads the NBA. Uh, second place is only three times. They're doubling second place in how many quarters they have allowed teams to score 14 or less points. So very, very interesting. But again, the Nuggets, you know, they hold them to 11 points in the first quarter. Then they give up 99 points in quarters two, three, and four. 99. That is unholy. That is wrong. That is not okay. I don't care who you are, you should never, when you're as talented as the Nuggets, give up 99 points to this Grizzlies team that could only muster 11 points in the first quarter. So that's an issue. The Nuggets need to find a way to stop blowing these leads. And honestly, I think there's a couple things at play here. One, Michael Malone has not found a strong bench unit that he can play. He has played like 13 different bench units at least 50 minutes this year in terms of five-man lineups. Like he has not been able to find any steady 
five-man pairing that he can put on the floor as a bench unit. And because of that, leads continually disappear as Malone continues to tinker because he has to find something that works and better to experiment early in the year than once you get closer and closer to playoffs. In addition to that, there is a part of this in which the Denver Nuggets, just as a roster, take their foot off the gas unnecessarily when they get big leads. They feel like they can just kind of take a back seat and just see what happens. And that's not going to win you games. That's not going to get you a great seeding. I think it's fine that the Nuggets are not taking every single possession of all 82 games as serious as they would if they were in, you know, game seven in the playoffs, but because they have to realize that there is going to be some kind of like, like Michael Malone said it perfectly. The Nuggets are not preparing for an 82-game season. They're preparing for a 110-game season. They're preparing to go deep into the playoffs, and it seems like the Nuggets know how much they need to do to win, and they're doing just enough to get that win. But that complacency, man, it can bleed into the rest of the roster. It can really find a way to fester and become worse and worse and worse and become an issue. It's why Michael Malone has been so frustrated. It's why, despite the win tonight, Michael Malone came into his post-game press conference absolutely, like, he seemed melancholy. Collie. Shout to Kendra Andrews for that word. She was the one who used that after the press conference we were talking, but he did. He just seemed somber, man. Like, it, it's hard for him to enjoy wins when his team honestly probably should not have won the game. And that's probably how he felt in this one. So they're going to need to figure out something because right now Michael Malone is basically chalking it up to them, randomly playing selfish on offense, which in my opinion speaks to more of complacency and a lack of effort than anything because it's easy just to take up, you know, a quick shot off of five dribbles without actually passing the ball around and trying to make off-ball cuts and relocate off-ball and try and find guys and pick and roll actions and try and bend the defense. That all takes a lot more effort than just pulling up. And I think because of that, you see the Nuggets offense kind of devolve into that when things get away from them. So something needs to change because they just keep blowing leads, and right now that's a problem. Uh, Nikola Jokic had his 35th triple-double of his career and the 7th triple-double of this season in this game, as I said earlier. 31 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists in this game. He is now tied for second-most triple-doubles this season with LeBron James at 7 and 2 behind Luka Doncic, who had his ninth triple-double of the year tonight so he's on his way man Nikola has really stepped it up and become the player that so many thought he could be he has been that MVP caliber player this year and it's been awesome to see it over the past 12 games or so um I tweeted this out and it's something that I was really really surprised about but when you look at Nikola Jokic's numbers right now over the last 12 games which goes back to the Boston game by the way Jokic is averaging 23 points 10 rebounds and 7.9 assists per game on 54.4% shooting from the field, 42.1% shooting from three on almost five attempts a game, and 85.1% on free throws. He is posting a 115.3 offensive rating and a 104.9 defensive rating, good for a plus 10.4 net rating. Those are near MVP numbers. Full stop. He has been that good. And in this game, he was so aggressive. In that first quarter and that first half overall, Nikola Jokic was ignoring passing lanes to attack Jaron Jackson and Jonas Valanciunas. I cannot remember a time in which Nikola Jokic had a wide-open passing lane and that he saw, and he actively chose to just kill the defender in front of him instead. And he did that multiple times tonight. There was a point where Nikola Jokic was in the low post on the left side he put the ball on the ground and a double team came his way when he started dribbling 
normally Jokic would immediately take a step out towards the perimeter, kick it out to an open shooter, and try and create a shot for somebody else because he got doubled. Nikola basically said, fuck that, and then somehow in the post, while doubled, split the defense and scored anyway. I cannot remember, like again, this is such a rare moment from Nikola Jokic in which he had opportunities to pass, and he took a lot of them, I mean, he had 10 assists in this game for a reason, Um, but he was choosing to score over create at multiple moments, and I don't know what changed that decision, maybe it was the fact that he got to play against... um, Lithuanian and Jonas Valanciunas, who he has liked to play against in the past. Maybe it's the fact that Marko Gurić, his uh, his teammate on the Serbia national team, is also on the Grizzlies roster. Maybe Juancho Hernan Gomez pissed him off for the game and told him that he can't score ever, and he got angry and decided to score whenever he wanted to. I don't know what it was, because I don't know what the hell makes Nikola Jokic tick, but this was a dominant game, and this was a game in which he forced his domination on the opposition whenever he felt like it, in whatever way he wanted wanted to. This was a full-blown, complete decimation of a defense by one individual in Nikola Jokic. It was incredibly impressive to watch him in this game, and it was awesome to see. There's a reason that he was a plus 23 in an 8-point win when nobody else on the team was better than plus 9. I know that plus minus is an extremely noisy stat that does not carry a whole lot of weight behind it, but when you are a plus 23 and the second best player on your team is a plus 9 in an 8-point win, that says a lot more than I, than I think people are willing to give credit to. Jokic was the reason the Nuggets dominated, and when he was on the court, there was nothing that Memphis could do to slow him down. So really, really, really impressive game from Nikola Jokic, who in my opinion is fully back right now. He is grooving at this point in the season, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. The next player who I thought was, uh, I would say he was the third best player for the Nuggets tonight was Michael Porter Jr., actually. I know that might be kind of surprising because he only played 19 minutes in this game, but he was awesome when he was on the court. Uh, not okay, This is the thing. The biggest issue that he has had is picking up the terminology and understanding Denver's defensive and offensive schemes, and then when he goes out on the court just playing and not having to overthink and know where to be, just instinctually going. He hasn't had that. This was the first game in which I felt he played nearly mistake-free basketball while knowing where he needed to be on both ends of the floor. There were multiple moments where he was perfectly timed on his rotations getting over defensively. He had two steals and a block for just being active and disruptive and using his length and athleticism to be impactful on the defensive end of the floor. He wasn't getting blown by very often. He was matching up quickly in transition, and even with that being said, he still managed to grab three defensive rebounds in this game, which normally he is just thriving on the offensive glass. His defensive game, I thought, was his best so far this season, and I thought this was overall his best game as a professional. Michael Porter Jr. was awesome, and the way he got his shots, too. He was aggressive. Don't get me wrong. Like If he had a sliver of daylight, he was pulling up, but he, he hit two corner threes as well as a three above the break. He also had a layup at the rim, had an offensive rebound, and just kept impacting the game positively. He had a few really, really good um, passes as well that didn't lead to assists, but arguably should have. I mean, he had some really nice passes in this game. They did give him one assist, but he had a couple more that I thought were very, very close so long as his teammate finished the look. But seriously, 11 points on seven shots, hitting three of your five threes and being a plus seven in 18 minutes and in an eight-point win... Michael Porter Jr. was a very important piece of what the Nuggets did tonight, and 
what I'm hoping is that this is the start of him getting not just five minutes in the first half, but 18 minutes like he did tonight playing two stints, one in the first half, one in the second half, and so long as he plays well, he will get more and more minutes. This feels like a maximum amount of minutes for him. Uh, 20 minutes is probably the max. Getting two 10-minute stints from like the five-minute mark until the seven-minute mark from the first to second quarter or third to fourth, that's a lot of minutes. And if he's playing well enough to justify it, great. But I think he needs to keep playing not just in the first half, but both stints. I think he needs to keep playing that second half. He got, was shown confidence in, by Michael Malone, and he rewarded him with some very, very good play. Uh, also, Nikola Jokic, he was able to get some time with Nikola Jokic, and he had just a beautiful no-look assist to Michael Porter Jr. in the corner for a three-pointer. Um, Nikola Jokic really likes Michael Porter Jr. Nikola Jokic, from what I understand, has active or has been he has been a vocal supporter of what Michael Porter Jr. can bring to the Denver Nuggets. He wants to play with Michael Porter Jr., at least in some stretches. I'm not saying he's saying he has to play a certain number of minutes or saying he should be starting or anything you know explosive like that. Nikola Jokic has made it known, though. like He really thinks that Michael Porter Jr. is a valuable piece of this team and wants him to play minutes, just as everybody else on the team has. So for him to get minutes with Jokic was very, very encouraging. Uh, Will Barton. So, first of all, Will Barton had 19 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, a block shot, and 2 turnovers in this game. Yes, he shot 8 of 18 from the field and 2 of 9 from 3, but he was extremely productive. Uh, Played 36 minutes. What people don't really know or might know is that Will Barton lost his cousin Lou um, in Baltimore yesterday before this game. So Will Barton played this game with a very, very heavy heart. And it was a situation in which not just him, but everybody that is in that, you know, the PTF family that he is, that he cares so much about, it impacted that community and it impacted Baltimore. And it meant a lot. Like Lou apparently was a very, very influential figure in not just Will's life, but in so many of his friends and people around him. So to lose him was a, um, it was a drastic thing to happen. It was just absolutely awful. I mean, Will Barton is so rarely that low and melancholy is really the right word but you could tell the impact of that loss was weighing on him immensely but despite that man will barton does what he does he found solace in basketball he went out there and played great he did everything he could for his team and he lost himself in the game i mean that's what he's always done that's why when he was hurt last year it was so difficult for him mentally and physically it was because like, this is will barton is from a one of the toughest places in the on, in the country in East Baltimore, for him to to lose the game that has been the therapeutic measures that he's needed so much was a direly you know horrific thing for him to deal with. But now to have the game back, despite all of the negativity that is now surrounding his life with the passing of cousin Lou, that um, he got to get back into basketball and he got to lose himself in that game and he was phenomenal. And all credit to Will Barton for. Just being one hell of a guy, man. Like, I know that it's easy for people to make the joke that, yeah, TJ is just so, he just loves Will Barton. and he's all the, I don't care. Will Barton's a real dude who cares a whole lot about his teammates, who does everything the Nuggets coaching staff asks of him, who just loves the game of basketball and is a real one. And so no matter what is going on in his life, he will be this Will Barton, and it is incredibly respectable that someone can be this professional in the face of so much adversity and do it 
in a way that he does. Like, he is just one of the most unique individuals I've met, and all credit to him for being that person. Uh, moving on from that, though, I want to talk about Jamal Murray's struggles because I really think that Jamal Murray has been regressing recently. Uh, there was that moment where he was taking nine threes a game, and he was finally shot ready, and his defense was great, his creation was great, he wasn't taking as many mid-range fallaway jumpers, but those days are gone again. Tonight, Jamal Murray was 5 of 14 from the field. Only two of those 14 shots were from three. Yes, he had five assists, which, was, which wasn't terrible, but the defense has fallen off. The creation has fallen off. The generated three-pointers has fallen off, and his decision-making has fallen off, and it's led to a more inefficient Jamal Murray. Uh, hopefully, Jamal can get back to who he was because he was playing so damn well there for a while, but he's he has taken steps back, and it's become very, very notable in my opinion. It's something I'll continue to watch going forward. Last thing about this game, Gary Harris continues to look better and better and better, but I'm really starting to wonder if he's battling some kind of hurt or injuries or something that is going on. Uh, he came out of the locker room at halftime with some kind of either ice pack or heating pack on his left leg, uh, looked like his calf, and also he got banged up at some point in the third quarter, came out of the game and was looked at by one of the Nuggets trainers very briefly on that same exact leg. Um, he has not been on the injury report, nothing like that, um, still been phenomenal on defense getting to the rim better but there's it looks like he might be fighting through some pain but overall good game from Gary tonight I really thought he was strong 12 points 5 of 11 shooting didn't hit a three but three steals had an assist a couple rebounds productive helpful all right we're gonna take a break I'm gonna come back and answer some questions from listeners Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one -on -one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet, with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. segment of this podcast is answering questions from listeners of the show and Nuggets fans alike. I try to put a tweet out after every game to send in questions. Sometimes I don't so I can answer the other questions that I couldn't get to. Sometimes I forget and suck and I just have to talk without bringing you guys in, but tonight was not that night. Um, I only picked three though because I got a lot of work to do so I won't be able to go too long on these, but I want to get into these three questions because I thought they were really good ones. So, First off, Peter Martin asked, will Michael Malone ever feel comfortable going to Michael Porter Jr. in the second half against good teams? I hope today is a sign of things to come, but I feel like Malone only played him extended minutes because it was Memphis. So, two things at play here. I think that Michael Porter Jr., 
did not just play the second half stint because it was against Memphis. I think Michael Porter Jr. earned his second half minutes by how he played in the first half. That's really how it looked to me because Michael Porter Jr. was great in the first half. He did exactly what the Nuggets have asked him to do and he had earned the minutes in that second half. So I think that's a big part of it. When it comes to the Michael Malone's trust part, tonight went a long way in terms of building trust. Michael Malone, when I asked him about Michael Porter's game after the game, spoke about how he... Um, well, I asked Michael Malone if there are any particular ways in which the he has, in which Michael Porter Jr. has kind of caught up to speed of the NBA, and he referenced the defense. And I think that's the biggest thing: playing mistake-free basketball and being, uh, and having a high IQ on defense and knowing where to be is the way to Michael Malone's heart. And I do believe that he was able to pull that off in this game. So I do think you'll see more of it going forward. Tonight did feel like a turning point for me. I would be very surprised if Michael Porter Jr. does not play at least 12 minutes tomorrow night as well, especially the Nuggets on the second night of a back-to-back. But it feels like Malone is going to start playing Michael Porter Jr. more and more. He's been earning minutes as he continues to play, but only time will tell. The Nuggets' wing rotation off the bench has been funky to say the least this year, so I'm not really going to sit here and pretend like I have any idea what Malone's decision-making processes are. Um, If it was me, it does seem like he has earned the opportunity to play more minutes. Uh, Dylan Cantor asks, is there any trade that would not mean saying goodbye to the core that would put them over the top i don't see drew holidays that kind of move if it means getting rid of gary i don't think there's a move out there that is that that moves the needle that much um maybe if the nuggets find a way to trade for andre iguodala but even then it sounds like the grizzlies asking price of for iguodala is really high i mean they want a first round pick and a young player and salary filler which the nuggets just can't really do they don't have their own first round pick this year and sure they can trade malik beasley or wancho hernan gomez but you need to fix salary filler in there as well so i i have not found a trade that does not require moving one of Jokic murray or or harris or Millsap for that matter, um, that moves the needle enough to put the Nuggets over the top, which I assume means championship contention. So I'm sorry for the very lackluster answer, Dylan, but there just really isn't one that I can find. Um, maybe if you go get a guy like Justin Holland. Now, see, even that, it, does, it doesn't do enough. You need to get Andre Godala. You need to go get... Um, Drew Holiday, you need to get someone who's really going to change things, and I don't think there's enough players out there like that, who the Nuggets can realistically get, especially if you don't want to trade one of that core. Um, Last question from Ricky Dreamer. Who is the second best player on the Nuggets this year? This is a tough question. Um, Yes, of course, Jamal Murray has a stake in this. Um, I would also argue that Paul Millsap, Gary Harris, and Will Barton, all of them also have a say in this conversation. So, this is my list. This is not what everybody's going to agree with, but for me... Will Barton has been the second most important player on this team for a multitude of reasons. First, he's shooting over 40% from three, so he's at a semblance of floor spacing to a Nuggets team that was starved of shooting earlier in the year. Secondly, he can break down a defense one-on-one off the dribble. The Nuggets do not have one-on-one scorers. They They do not have guys who can bail them out like that, but Will Barton can absolutely do that. Um, In transition, he's a terror. He can really get moving. He also can handle the ball himself, which allows uh, Jamal Murray to get off ball more, which really helped him at different moments. And then the big thing, Will Barton's defense tied everything together. 
everything. Gary Harris has always been great to take away the best guard threat on the team. Paul Millsap has always been a good defender, especially as a free safety. Will Barton has been the versatile, switch-heavy, can drop, can hedge, can block shots, can grab steals, can one-on-one contain defender, who is, who's, who is really, he's been the glue. I mean, this Nuggets defense falls apart without any three of Gary Harris Paul Millsap, or Will Barton, but Will Barton, he is the type of player that is too rare and hard to find. You can find defensively efficient power forwards and shooting guards who can lock guys up, but finding a wing player as dedicated as Will Barton, who can rebound like Will Barton and can switch, can drop, can be the weak side low man and rotate over for some shot blocking, whatever you need him to do defensively, he can do that. I mean, he can play free safety and jump passing lanes, all kinds of different things. So for me, there is not one player on the team who has helped the Nuggets in so many different ways, like other than Nikola Jokic, like Will Barton has been able to do. So for me, it's Will Barton. All right, let's look at these next, uh, what, six games for the Nuggets. They're about to finish up their little homestand with a game against Sacramento tomorrow to finish up a back-to-back. I do assume it's a win, but we'll see what happens. They then play the Houston Rockets in Houston on New Year's Eve, um, Indiana in Indiana on the 2nd, Washington in Washington on the 4th, Atlanta in Atlanta on the 6th, and Dallas in Dallas on the 8th. The Nuggets had the chops to go 5-1. and one. I have a feeling they go 4-2, and two, though. That's just really how I feel. If they go 3-3, three and three, you're going to have to have some discussions about worry of this team. If they go 2-4, and four, the Nuggets might start looking a whole lot more like a team that is farther away from contending than many, many, many people thought. So... But yeah, that has been the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to Untuck It, the Regulators Production Group, and Terrapin Care Station for supporting the podcast. Thank you to all the listeners who sent in questions. Thank you to everybody who leaves reviews, who leaves five-star ratings, who shares this podcast, all of those things. This show would not be what it is without you guys, and I appreciate you dearly. Have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you guys in like 18 hours. Have a good one.